Carolina podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Two wins in a row for the first time since the end of the 2021 season. A win at NRG Stadium for the first time in 644 days. The Texans beat the Pittsburgh Steelers today 30-6 to on J.J. Watt Ring of Honor Induction Day as we welcome you into our Sunday evening uh, episode. We're just hours removed <clears throat> from the Texans' win over the Steelers at NRG Stadium today. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast. And if you're watching on video, host of the postgame show, as you can see, I'm still at NRG Stadium right now. Joined, as always, by the Hall of Famer and my good friend and our senior columnist at Sports Radio 610, Dot com John McClain. John, my lead into the postgame show today was when you take into account the fact that this team hadn't won a home game in nearly two years, the opponent, the Steelers, who aren't a great team, but they're a blue blood team, um, the magnitude of the win, the necessity of the win, and the fact that J.J. Watt went into the ring of honor at halftime, I think today is in the argument, you would know better than I, you've been at every Texans game since inception, I think today is in the argument for one of the greatest regular season days in the history of the Houston Texans. I'll agree. You know, you can't include games where they clinched to go to the playoffs or won playoffs or that first victory in franchise history over the Cowboys, but all the others over the last 22 years. It's absolutely, it's an incredible day for Houston Astros beat Arizona. The Rangers choked against the Mariners. Astros win the division. Texans have won two in a row. This is the first time that they've won back-to-back games by at least 20 points since 2015. And I and I know it's the first time they've beaten the Steelers since 2011 when D'Amico Ryans was in his sixth and last season and J.J. Watt was a rookie. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up, John. I was at that game in 2011 as a fan. I was not yet with Sports Radio 610. That's how long it's been since they beat the Steelers. I've been at 610 for a decade. I've never been here for a win over Pittsburgh, um, for a win over Pittsburgh before. I remember that win at home in 2011, and it had a it had a similar feel to this one in in this way. And I'm not comparing the 2023 Texans to the 2011 Texans. I think the 2011 Texans were the best team in the history of this franchise. If Matt Schaub doesn't get hurt, I think that team's got a chance to win a Super Bowl. But that was the game. That was early in the season. And that was a game where if like the Texans, I think, were two and two going into that game. But they beat the Steelers at home. I remember they had like an 11-minute drive to open the game. They were leaning on Arian Foster. And that was kind of a game where the Texans sort of announced their presence to with authority to the rest of the league. Like, okay, this Texans team might be pretty good. They just beat Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, who were in the Super Bowl the year before at home. 17-10 to 10 was the final score. I remember that game. And, look, that team went to the playoffs. That Texans team is a really good team. I do think similarly, though, like this to me was a game today, when you, especially when you combine it with that Jacksonville game. All of a sudden, John, the outlook for the Texans, at least in the near future, looks completely different than it did two weeks ago, especially when you look at the teams that they play over the next month, month and a half, really over the next few months. I mean, there are not – it's hard to find a game on the schedule where I feel like this iteration of the Texans that we've seen the last couple of weeks doesn't have a chance to win, especially with the way C.J. Stroud is playing. So I felt – I feel a similarity in so much as like, wow, okay, this is a Texans team that's showing the league a little bit of something here right now. Next four games are against opponents from the NFC South. They get a bye week in the middle. 
They got a chance to, I'm not saying they're going to win all four, but they get a chance if they could split, that'd be great. And right now, every team in AFC South is two and two, tied for first or tied for last. Depends on your perspective. And the way they played against the Steelers and Jaguars, they are capable, capable of beating, I'm not saying beating on their schedule. Even Cincinnati got killed in Nashville. So we automatically put that down at a loss. There's a lot. How many teams do they play this year? And I'm guessing they'll still lose to Cincinnati where we can look at it and go, well, that's a loss for sure based on what we've seen these last two weeks. None. No, I mean, you and I went through this exercise during the mailbag episode this week, John. We had a we had a listener email us after the Jacksonville game. The, the email us like, okay, which how many quarterbacks that they would play right now? You know, the, the starting quarterbacks for these teams. How many is CJ Stroud? If this is who he is, and this week didn't do anything to diminish what he was the first three weeks. If anything, he showed even more stuff this week that he's capable of doing. If this is who C.J. Stroud is, how many quarterbacks is he better than, definitively better than, on their schedule the rest of the way? And and I think you counted up in those 14 games, there's 10 of them that he's better than. And the ones that were the other four were like Joe Burrow, who's been very shaky this year, Trevor Lawrence, who C.J. just beat last week, and there were one or two others on the schedule the rest of the way. So um, it's, yeah, this is, John, this is, this is really exciting right now for these Texan fans. Absolutely. I thought last week was freakish. I watched Jacksonville bounce back, pound Atlanta in uh, London, and I thought, okay, Watt and Highsmith are going to kill Stroud today, and they're going to come back to reality. Instead, they didn't get close to him, and it was an unbelievable performance by the coaches, by the players as well. It was. I mean, there's so much credit to go around. That I don't even know, John. We may need to do six stock up and and two stock down or something like that because today, if we were doing a stock market today, was a bull market today for the for the Houston Texans. There was a there was a lot of credit, a lot of credit to go around. So um, before we get into the stock up and stock down, what did you think of the JJ Watt halftime Ring of Honor induction? I thought it was tremendous. Um, uh, went to a private party for Watt Friday night that was fun. The mayor was there giving him proclamation and he was going around meeting everybody and thanking him. You know, he just couldn't be any more humble. He says and does all the right things. I think it's great. He announced he's going to bring a softball game back to Constellation Field on uh, May 4th. And uh, when I watched him. Yep. He announced that? Yep. In the news conference where we had him before the game. And uh, so he's going to do it again to raise money for charity. And I was thinking when I was watching him Friday night was with Mayor Sylvester Turner. And I'm thinking, boy, they better hope Watt never wants to run for mayor of Houston because everybody else would have to withdraw. Yeah. John, have you ever been to his softball game when he had it here uh, back in the day? Yeah, sure. I thought it was. I thought JJ's charity softball game was my favorite charity event ever in this town. It was it, it was so fun. Uh, that I'm, I forget. I, I don't know if they, well, he had it at Constellation Field the first few times he did it. And then I think he moved it to Minute Maid Park. Minute to Minute Maid Park, right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's back at Constellation now doing it. Yep. Next year. Okay. Oh, that'll be cool. May 4th. May 4th. Also, that was interesting. Jim Crane and his wife, Whitney, were at the game today. And I'm guessing they stayed up in the owner's suite with Janice and Cal and Hannah McNair and watched the uh, Astros game. And a great day for him and the McNairs all around. Great to see 
Janice McNair out there as far as the celebration. And one of the coolest things is why JJ come out with his son Cohen and run a gauntlet, walk a gauntlet of congratulations with all so many of his former teammates on the red carpet. Oh, dude, there were many of his former teammates and many people who were just Houston Texans that wanted to be down, former Houston Texans that never played with JJ, but want to be down there to pay their respects to JJ. There must have been 100 former players down there on the field, John. That was crazy. Yeah. Texans did a great job putting on that show. Everything. Yeah. Greg, it starts with him as the president, and then Meniere's, of course. Omar Masood, the PR guy. They did just did a tremendous job starting the time he got off his private plane last week because he was here multiple days being feeded when he was back in town. And uh, I know he gets to do a lot of cool stuff. You know, he's he the Saturday night live country music association awards. He's done some neat things, but he said, there's nothing like coming back here. He told a story on the pregame show with me and Seth um, where I, I asked him, uh, you know, we've watched the last three days play out on social media, all the things that he's been doing that you talked about the event on Friday and, you know, partying with his teammates and things like that, former teammates. And, uh, I asked him, I said, is there any point in the last few days where you got even more nostalgic than you thought you would about coming back here? And he said, he said nothing specific, like with the team or anything, but he said, just as far as being back in Houston, and he went and talked again about something he always talks about with Houston, about how Houston is family and it took him in. And he's he's always felt that connection with the city when he's been here. But the story that he told, just as an example of just how hospitable Houston is, was that he and Kalia rented a house here in town for everybody to stay at. I'm guessing the parents, his parents came in and stayed there. Probably Derek probably stayed there just to probably his wife. She was in town. Yeah, probably like a big Airbnb for everybody. That they that that JJ rented, but he he seemed to imply that he rented it, but not under his name. Um, but somehow, whoever's house it was, or whoever was in charge of it, whatever the leasing company, whatever that may be, put two and two together with whatever name it was. And he said he showed up at that house, and the the entire counter was catered barbecue from his favorite barbecue place. Uh, they had a Texans jersey for Koa with a number 99 on it, like a little a baby's jersey ready to go for Koa. And it's probably three or four other things that were very specific to just welcoming him into that Airbnb or whatever it was they were they were staying in. I thought it was a really, really cool story. Hannah Cal McNair had a little red jacket like Watt and Andre Johnson and Bob McNair got when they went into the Ring of Honor. And uh, it's a little, I mean, it's small, but it was so cute. So he could wear his red jacket lip with his daddy. Yeah, that's awesome. That that was a the pictures were great. His speech was great at halftime. John, you got your wish. They opened the windows up in the press box. Did you did you make that happen, John? Were they not going to do it? And then you you I kind don't of threw know some if they of your were going to do it or not. I requested it, but uh, yeah. I'm sure they were planning it anyway, so everybody could soak up the atmosphere. I don't know, John. You got a lot of stroke. I wouldn't have thought to ask about that. I I, I would take credit for that if I were you. You're the one shouting from the rooftops. I can't that. take any credit for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you credit for it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Texans win today, thirty to six over the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Huge win, two and two, as John mentions. The entire AFC South, two and two right now, and the world is the Texans' oyster right now. They've got four games coming up against the NFC South. And John, did you tell me before we went on the air, or before we started recording, that the Texans are road favorites in Atlanta next week? Bump, bump, two and a half points. That's crazy. 
That is crazy. God, that's, I mean, I'm, I believe it. I think they're the best. I thought they were the better team against Pittsburgh. I certainly think they're better than an Atlanta team that scored three points two weeks ago and seven points this week against the same team. The Texans hung 37 on in Jacksonville last week. So I, I'm enthusiastic. I'm fired up, man. CJ, everything is, and I don't want to hijack four stock up and four stock down, but this is the best I felt about this team in a long, long time. This feels really, really good. I agree with you hundred percent. Last time I felt this good about a team was when they beat Buffalo in the wild card game. And then they led Kansas city 24. Oh, then it was yep. all down the toilet. But um, I watched Atlanta today, Desmond Ritter. He has not played well at quarterback. And they might as well keep playing him and be bad. A friend of mine works for the Falcons. I texted him. I said, hey, if you keep losing, you got a chance to get a really good quarterback. Mm -hmm. If the draft were today, Chicago would have the first two picks. They can yep. Caleb, John. Caleb Williams and, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, John, you know what? And I said that to, uh, I said that to Clint, uh, not on the air, but off the air, because we had red zone on here in the studio. And the Cardinals were playing the Niners. And at that juncture in the game, the Cardinals were being their usual frisky selves this year. I think they'd cut it to 21-16 against the 49ers. Niners went on to win 35-16. to But I, I said everybody thought the Cardinals were going to have the first two picks in the draft this year. And it turns out both the Cardinals and the Texans, I think, are way peskier than people thought they would be. The Cardinals are not a they're not a bad football team. I mean, they're they're bad. I mean, they're probably gonna wind up being bad, but they beat the Cowboys last week and they've been competitive in their three losses so far, which is actually something the Texans can't say. They weren't competitive in either of their two losses. But um, but it would be funny to me though, with the Cardinals and everybody lauding Monty Austin for it, their GM is like, okay, this is how you do it. You're going to get the first pick and you're going to trade and get the second pick and you're going to get Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. My wish is that the Cardinals win like six games this year, that the Texans, who now look capable of, who knows, maybe winning eight, nine, ten games, who knows, um, but that the Cardinals wind up with like the, the, the 10th and the 18th pick in the draft instead of one and two. And then I'm looking at the standings. We're going through the out-of-town scoreboard. I'm going, oh, my God, Chicago might actually end up with the first two picks. Uh, they're 0-4 they're in, the, in the Panthers. They have the Panthers pick from the Bryce Young trade, 0-4 right now. That The Panthers might have been the team that screwed this thing up, not the Texans by trading for Will Anderson. The uh, Bears have never had a great quarterback, a great quarterback who throws a lot of touchdown passes. They've had quarterbacks who've won. They've won championships. One of the reasons is it's hard playing at Soldier Field right there on the lake, but they just have never had a great passing quarterback who consistently throw the football. And if I'm Caleb Williams and I'm thinking about winners in Chicago and I'm doing Burger King commercials and these other national commercials, I'm thinking about staying in school and hoping like hell the betters, Bears are better next year. And if I'm Marvin Harrison Jr., I wouldn't want to go to Chicago either. And, uh, you know, how many great receivers have there been throughout the decades? Bears have great offensive linemen, great running backs, defensive players, and they've won. But, boy, it is a hard place to throw the football in right now. It's amazing how bad they are. And they had the Broncos beaten, and they just choked it. Yeah, good. I, I I couldn't decide who I wanted to win that game. I hate. Both I want of those the teams. Broncos to lose. I want I, Sean Payton to lose. I, I I do too. But Ryan Poles is annoying to me. Their general manager. He's he's doing every interview under the sun after he makes that trade with the Panthers. He traded the first pick of the second round for Chase Claypool. They don't even have him in the stadium today because he's such a he's such a d bag. So uh, 
So, yeah, that would be wild if the Bears had the first two picks, and I'm with you. If I were Caleb Williams, that would be the one place that I would think about saying, now nah, I'll go back to USC, hang out with co-eds for another year, and clock about $3 million in NIL, and then see what happens. Because the Bears probably would then draft just, just draft Drake May. They'd draft a quarterback, probably, yeah, would be my guess. And then even if they're high in the draft the next year, they won't draft Caleb Williams, one would think. 